Welcome to Beyond the Press Release, a production of Gorecom, in which we take the time to speak with small cap executives after they put out news with us today, because it's big news. Bernard Turiot, Chairman CEO, HPQ Silicon, trades on the venture under HPQ and on the OTCQX under HPQFF. For those of you new to the story, HPQ is a Quebec is a Quebec-based company that offers innovative silicon solutions. They're developing a unique portfolio of high value added silicon products that are sought after by battery and electric vehicle manufacturers. Now, we know a lot of people talk that game and have a lot to say, but more than just lip service, HPQ's HPQ Nano subsidiary received their first order for spherical nano silicon materials from a major automobile manufacturer. And they're already under NDA with at least two battery players that we know of. And they're doing all of this with a couple of really great world-renowned technology partners. Today's press release, HPQ Gen 1 Nano Silicon Reactor exceeds Phase 1 production rate target by 67%. Bernard, welcome back. Thank you, George. You and now me? I know why you've been so quiet. It's been a while since we have you. I guess you've been R&Ding. Yeah, a, there are sometimes some part where it's better to be quiet, just work on the project. That's what we're that's what we're doing. All right. So there there are gonna be some new people because we always kind of take for granted that everybody watching is everybody that knows HPQ Silicon really well, but we keep getting more and more viewers. So before we go into why this is massively important, this is a big press release, uh, and the reaction to the market kind of shows that. What is the importance of the Gen 1 PureVap nano silicon reactor? What's the importance of it? Well, it's it's a first tool where you know when when you do R and D and you have you know innovative ideas the first the first model you do uh, is just to start testing see how it works and then try to figure out what it works so you set out with a series of hypotheses and then you end up throwing around a few monkey wrenches which is normal in R and D um, you know a few unknown unknown that happen um, you know just just take a look at uh, SpaceX today they did just launch a uh, astronauts into into, into space today uh, but if you look at you know their f9 rocket works very very well their their falcon rocket works very well and they decided to go making a bigger model of that rocket well you know they're still having problem getting into land it keeps blowing up that that that's part of normal r d that blowing up is part of the thing it, you know r d for us is is called a joke research and destroy because that's what happened you're learning you're learning you're developing things it, you know you don't come up with something on paper and it immediately works first time out. It's just not the way it is. This being said, if you have a team and expertise, guys have a track record of turning that around. What you have is a great learning experience. And with, with, with the team we had, we, you know, what we're taking away from this is worth my silence all that time. I'm not worried. All right. So let's go into what you achieved here. So, you know, the, the headline is you exceeded the production rate target by 67 uh, 67%. Uh, mm -hmm. Why is it, why, why is this important? Well, at the end, um, demand is going to be so massive. It's a question and, and cost is always related to your production rate. <laughs> it's as simple as that. Sure. And it's, it's, uh, anyway, our philosophy is to match the cost of graphite actually, you know, to, to, to have a product that's going to be a superior quality, that's going to be selling about the same price. So the, the key for that is the production rate. Um, so, you know, as we set out to do, there's a series of important milestones uh, we discussed in press release. The first one we issued in our first press release was to make the material below 150 nanometers. Well, we beat that, we did 100 nanometers. Um, 
which that attracted a different group of people that were interested in our material. Now we resolve this. Now we're, we have to move up to the, the speed of production, the rate of production, because that's, you know, that's what's going to tell us uh, how economical our process can be. So we've based all our modelization and scaling up based on the primary results, and we're doing much better than that. That means, you know, okay, once we scale it up, it'll be even bigger, bigger, bigger. So that, so it, it's, it's a very important, it's a very important, very, it's a very key milestone for us. The, it says, now for the lay person reading it, it says our target, I'm paraphrasing, our target was 30 kilograms a month. We hit 50 kilograms for nanosilicon powders. So that's an increase of six, 7%, but 50 mm -hmm. kilograms per mount sounds like a small amount. What are but we missing there? The way you develop R&D is you get your technology to work well at one scale, then you start scaling it up. You just don't go all crazy to go to, you know, to 2,000, 1,000. It doesn't work. That's how, that's how you get killed. So you got to control, understand the process. Um, and one of the, the big milestones we were looking at is basically the production rate. Uh, the number is sort of irrelevant. The importance of scale is moving faster, okay? Basically, the design was, we thought the design would be this. With that design, we were going to reach our goal of matching, uh, 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 of being cost competitive to graphite. So if we can do it even better by 67%, that's even better. And we don't know. There might be even more improvement coming, coming down the line. So that's really what it is. We, you start at one point, which is a research base, and then you move on. <coughs> you also mentioned the fact that the implications of the Gen Two is it uh, because the Gen One, yes, that goes from three hundred kilograms a month to five hundred kilograms a month. But of course, it's it's the Gen Two is going to be nothing else than a bigger version of Gen One. Okay, so we start scaling it up, and it's going to be designed. And, and the Gen, the, the key point of the Gen Two is to, to test that we go from a batch process to a semi-continuous process. So we've now. We're now resolving a batch process. We resolve the issue, then we move on to Gen 2. We, we move on to semi-continuous process. And once we get all the kinks work out of that system, then we can say, now we can start thinking commercial scale, you know, small pilot plant, and then moving on to, to those issues. We're just following the, the logical growth pattern that we followed on the uh, on the, quartz, uh, the QRR system, and which Pyro has followed and successfully done many, many times over. So we're just applying a recipe, an R&D recipe, which works, which is, you know, you, you start small, you develop it, but you have a pathways to make it go to commercial scale, which is what we have, what we're doing, what we're implementing. The, the idea is we're exceeding what we had set up to do. So fundamentally, when you start the project, you set up benchmark, okay? That says, if I reach those benchmark, I got something that's commercial. Well, first benchmark was we needed to do 150 nanometers. We knew we could do 200 nanometers because we have made some, but we weren't sure if we could go back below that threshold. Why is that important? Well, I read some material about some product made, let's say by a company, another Canadian company uh, that uses plasma to, to make uh, silicone powder. And they bragged about the fact that they had a two, sub 200 nanometers material for batteries. Well, the problem was the size distribution. Yes, they made a sub 200 nanometers, but all their particles were close, were above 150 nanometers. So it didn't really work well in battery material. So it becomes, it's very specific in batteries. So first, first check mark we did, we can make the stuff below 150 nanometers. That's a big sub. Second check mark is can we get a production rate um, that's going to be economical to reach our target? Check mark done. Third check mark that we're now resolving is uh, doing the qualified sample. But that's more related to 
how we decided to get where we are as opposed to the design system. Uh, I'm going to read your quote because this mm -hmm. is the part I've been waiting for this whole interview because you just mentioned qualified samples. I got it right in front of me. Mm -hmm. Quote, once the final equipment modifications are completed, the mm -hmm. goal of the program will be to produce qualified samples, which will be tested by a third party, INRS, and subsequently mm -hmm. to awaiting battery manufacturers and automobile manufacturers. Yeah. Uh, the key there is awaiting, as mm -hmm. opposed to just saying battery, you know, anybody. So what's going on there? What are, are you well, kind of? Not, nothing has really changed. Just the reality is that there's more and more battery manufacturers, car manufacturers talking about silicon. I think my presentation I did yesterday, I showed that, you know, uh, first time around it was only a Tesla. Now there, there's Porsche, there's GM talking about it. So they're all talking about it. The, the issues doesn't change. There's nobody, there's nobody that has capacity, capacity to do the volume that they're gonna, these guys are going to need. And this is where you got to figure out they're going to they want a volume and price. And that's what we're attacking to, to do. So I am absolutely not worried that once we have a qualified sample that's going to be, you know, validated by third party says, you know, this is the, this is the battery charge you get into it. You know, people are going to be running like crazy. The, the importance of the first order. Okay. So you think or, battery manufacturers, automobile manufacturers, want them because, they, because, I can say this, some battery manufacturers develop some systems, some auto manufacturers develop their own batteries for their own system. It's sort of like, they're all part of the same business model. It's, 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 all, it's all part of the same incline. And the point I wanna make is I think the importance of first order, which we announced, um, I have a different perception than I think some people in the market. It isn't really delivering the market. The message from that order was, they're so desperate for the stuff that they're willing to pass order before they even know I can make the stuff. And they knew that. So like, it's not, it's not a big surprise what's going on there. Nobody can do it. Well, that's not true. There are processes to do, but they're never going to be economical. It's, a, it's, it's as plain, as simple as that. Uh, and if people want to get a quick idea, okay. If you hear somebody it, it, about if somebody's a competitor or client of HPQ, Reality is that if you if you see the word anode silicone manufacturer, potential client, he's not a competitor to us. Why is that? Because that simply means that they're building anodes with silicone into it. Where are they going to get their silicone? Example given, Group 14 technology. If you allow me just to show um, to, to share one, one screen. Sure. Go. Okay. So some people have pointed out, oh my God, carbon for Group 14 is here. It's ahead of us. Okay. HPQ is the is competing against RAC silicone, which makes a saline gas. Sorry, say that again. Clarify that HPQ, again. HPQ Group 14 gets their material from REC silicone, which okay. is the manufacturer of saline gas. Okay. One plant in the US capacity 18,000 metric tons per year. It's not it's not very big. Just it, so you get the information what they're doing on the REC silicone. Uh, website and, and their presentation. Just shipping, okay, 1,000 metric tons of, of silane gas to here is costing them 30 million in setting up a pipeline system. This, RC Silicone says, it's a billion dollars to build. And look, look at the process. They're starting from this quartz. It's a traditional process. They make the material, it goes all the way through here. It's, it's very bad for the environment. It goes here is making the material. 
So it's just not practical at the end of the day. Well, it, at the end, it can work at the beginning because people are going to be willing to, to pay for it. But the goal is for having a simple process like we have here, where we go from quartz, clove, directly to making our battery-grade silicone, to nanopowders, to nanomanufacturers. So it's a no-brainer that what we're developing, in which we're much more advanced than, than, than people have thought, it's, it's going to win at the end of the game because it's the most simple process. We control this part, we control that part. Everything is our patented technologies. So, so I'm not like, and this is the point I want to see. You got to be very cautious. It's going to be, a lot of people are in the quartz business. They're going to try to say they're in the silicone business. No, they're not. They're just in the quartz business. We're the only one that's completely vertically integrated from the quartz all the way to the nanoparticles and we control everything. I think I've mentioned all in, in the other presentation, we probably could do, do a, just a presentation um, video. But that, that was the point I, I'm trying to get people to understand. We have really a big advantage because demand for this is gonna be massive, massive. Yeah, because right now you're talking about 500 kilograms a month for the gen two, but, and that's gonna keep going up but by, by the end of the decade, it's gonna be what, 200,000 kilograms? Oh, boy, the end of, of, the of demand. I mean, the, the runway that you have in front of you as you keep growing and growing and growing is going into a, uh, what appears to be a pretty massive market. Well, let, let me just share another image. Uh, so that's what I'm saying. Today, right now, there's only 5% silicone in batteries, okay? And the reason for that, we all know it's too expensive, too difficult. Well, the projection is by 2030, it's going to be 30%. That's uh, what Roskill says. So if you think about it, that's going to represent a demand of 200,000 metric tons by 2030. You know, right now, the worldwide capacity per year. Yeah. But you know what? What is the worldwide capacity demand for, to, for doing this right now? Nano silicone powders? 10. 10 metric ton. Demand is going to be astronomical. People need this. We are going to need this product. So, so we've got a big runway. You've got a big runway in front, obviously, but the assumption is you'll be able to keep your lead also. Um, uh, but you've got a massive runway of growth uh, ahead of you year over year, yeah. over year over year. Yeah. And what the R&D that we're doing uh, leads me strongly to believe that not only do we have a strong lead, but we have a um, an incredible, you know, uh, advantage with our QRR. I used to joke that the QRR was sort of an ace in the hole in the sense that whoever, whomever is doing something in this space, okay, they take metallurgy grade silicon metal and convert it to higher power. So since we were always going to be the cheapest to do this, we all have the advantage. Now I think that has changed. I call it the golden ticket, but it's sort of like, um, like basically we can, we can write our own tickets because what we've learned in the R&D process that we've done is that we can tinkle with our QRR process to make what's going to be known as battery-grade silicone that we can then convert in our nano reactors into nano silicone, the battery manufacturing we're looking for. And that's because we control the entire segment of the industry. So yeah, that's a that, big advantage versus getting it from somebody else. And yeah. that's just a massive advantage. It's no, there's no other way to say that. Yeah, and, and since we control the entire part, our, you know, our trade secrets are trade secrets. We're, we're not going to give them away. But we learn a heck of a lot during the, the first part. And, and in funny ways, because we ended up using, by converting the Gen, the, the, the Gen 2 QRR into the Gen 1 nanoreactor, okay, we learned 
a heck of a lot. Uh, and sometimes you learn more by having problems than by having everything working well. Sure. Because I, we had that experience once we, we, when we went from the Gen 1 to the Gen 2. Everything went very, very well. We did one change of it, which we didn't think would change anything. And it created, you know, it took us a few days, a few weeks to resolve. At the end, we did resolve it. So it's not, you know, it's not really a big issue. But then we learned, oh, that's, this is an important, this is an important cr critical path. So what happens since the beginning of January, we're doing the testing. It's, it's called process optimization. So that's what we've been doing. We've been optimizing the process. Uh, I want to ask you about timing for a second. Mm -hmm. uh, going back to that quote, you know, once the final equipment modification are completed, then qualified samples to a third party, then to the awaiting manufacturers and automobile manufacturers. Mm -hmm. I know you can't give a specific, the specific date. <laughs> Why but, should I? <laughs> it's like it's basically no, basically no, of course not. Hard time. Ballpark, ballpark, because I can feel, listen, all the shareholders, again, I've, I've said this before, I can feel in advance that the shareholder can say, George, you got to ask this question. Depends. Are they shareholders or are they basically traders? You got you got to be cautious. I think people, shareholders that are there for investing in the company, understand that we're in cutting edge, cutting edge technology, cutting edge advance. We've done incredible amount of work to resolve it. Um, and to be totally honest, at the size of the market, if it takes me like a th three weeks more, four weeks more than yeah, what, of a retail investor, and that and that's that's what we're talking about. So it's. It, it, it's not a precise. It's not a precise science. No. R and D project. It's more so ballpark estimate. Ballpark, first part. Once the final equipment modification are completed, ballpark. What are you guys thinking? That is that uh, two months away. George, months? George, it could be. It could be two weeks. It could be two months. Okay. It's 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 that's the ballpark. You know, in the revised presentation, we think that the optimization is going to finish in. Uh, end of q2 so that's that's another like, like we're, we're, we're just finishing april so there's still may june so it's, it's going to be within this quarter okay and that's all i want to ask you that's perfect yeah but it's and, but, and all but, investors but, but for anybody anybody who's going to take this video and come out and claim it, it's, it's r d research and development okay and everybody's going to tell me i'm going to show them the video of, of the uh of uh SpaceX exploding. Well, that's part of the project. That's, that's just, that's just, that's, that's but just the good thing is you haven't all kidding aside though, tongue in cheek though, we haven't had any SpaceX explosion style problems yet. Knock on wood. But it's not right? even, a, but the, the thing is, okay. Elon Musk, he says, okay, we're trying to figure out how to land this thing. It's, it, it might blow up. Okay. In our own thing, we had those things because we're trying to figure out how to do cheaply nanoparticles of silicone. So, but that's R and D. That's the that's how you learn. You don't learn by being perfect. You learn by mistake. And we don't learn to walk by you know suddenly getting up. We know how to walk. We, we learn to walk by falling. It's it's what we're doing. The importance is, do you have the team that can handle the issues? Yes, that's that's not even a question with pyrogenesis. Remember, they invented plasma optimization. I didn't say three D printing yesterday. So they invented plasma optimization. So they've been doing powders for the last 25 years. So if anybody knows what the heck they're doing, it's them. And, and since you're talking about Pyro, what is a, a, one excerpt from Peter Pascal, who's the president of Pyrogenesis, mm -hmm. in his last sentence says, it is even more exciting when one considers the impact this could have on addressing the challenges facing the electric vehicle battery space. Um, how exciting is that? And how big of an impact do you think you guys are gonna are gonna make, Bernard? Okay, 
everybody's talking in, 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 in the concept of going electric is all there, right? What people don't realize is you cannot have a fast charging batteries without silicone. It's as simple as that. That's even what Porsche said, okay? So we're at the right, so if you think about this, okay? Lithium, all the battery metals, everybody's gaga about this, okay? Silicone is, is a very narrow, but it's gonna have a massive market and there's not too many players into it. I happen to know most of the players and the big boys in the industries because of their way their, their, their grandfather's systems are there, they're not nimble enough to work. Like it's not my biggest, it's not the biggest manufacturer to be nimble. I, I just learned that they shot the, 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 they shot all their R and D because they're trying having to survive the environment where, where their big, their big system. Okay. Either you shot 30,000 ton metric ton or you don't. So it's very difficult to balance market demand. We're coming in with a nimble system in, in that se segment. Uh, so we're, and we can do the R and D that they're doing. In reality is most of the R and D in this type of field comes out of companies like us, as opposed to the big boys. And that's always the case of technology. That's always. And the fun part, the really fun part about what we're doing is it's almost perfectly designed for the battery space in the sense that everybody's going to be doing their own gigafactories. Okay. And since our systems are not big, the reactor system, they can be tailor made to switch. They're going to be perfectly to be put to be ring fenced within the areas of, of what it's doing. So as opposed to RAC silicone that has to build pipelines to bring the saline gas down to the group 14 manufacturing plant, which is costing massive, we just build our plant within there to nanopowders go directly. Yeah, that's it. just not scalable. Not, I don't want to say anything about other people, but that's just not scalable, right? And, uh, but the problem is right now, there's only two known processes that really work to make nanoparticles of silicone. There's physical grounding, which cannot be economical, right? It works. You can do grounding material. or grinding. Grinding, like you grind it, okay. because because you can't get you cannot have a uniform product. You cannot have uh, so be, because for battery manufacturers, once they go full industrial, it has to be freaking uniform. It has to be you know you have to be able to compact it within the anodes. It, there's there's a lot of demand Absolutely. on it, uh, which are things that that that, that Pyro's dealt with in in, in, uh, in additive powder their design. So. That's why people go to what's called CVD, chemical re, uh, chemical deposition system, CDS, uh, chemical deposition system. That's I was going to say CBD. We're not getting to that business. No, right? no, no, no. no. <laughs> it's, 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 but it's chemical de deposition system. What it is is the saline gas is converted to it reverts back to, to silicone, becomes a nanoparticle that's perfectly spheric. It works. If you can make nano wires to it. It works. It's still fucking expensive. Yeah, and cost is everything. We know and, that cost and is if everything. If we're talking about environmental issues, okay, saline gas is a nasty gas. And that, by the way, Bernard, uh, correct me if I'm wrong. I'm going to make an assumption, and you can correct me if I'm wrong. But that's going to be part of the decision-making process. If uh, George Automotive, a big auto automobile manufacturer, is choosing between uh, the HBQ Nano and a provider using saline gas and this very... Even if we're the even if we're the same cost, at the end of the day, I'm assuming because the nature of electric vehicle companies and, and battery manufacturers, they want to go with the cleanest. 
yes, but, at the end of the but, day, but, right? But, but George, it's never going to get there. We're never going to be at the same cost. They're never going to be the same league as we are. <laughs> it's, oh, okay. it's impossible. Right. But this being said, there's other issues into this that come in, that come into play. If you look at who are the biggest players in silicon metals, the Chinese, and you just have to look where their plants have been moved to, and you're going to realize that that's going to become a, you know another issue. I think Bloomberg just issued an article about polysilicon and solar grade silicon's dirty little secret. That's another thing that's interesting. When we, you know, you remember when we started to talk, solar grade silicon was was a big thing we were looking at. Uh, then market conditions completely killed that 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 market. But now I think it's going to come back. You know, in, in the next few years, it might come back as another additional uh, thing where we can be working on just because of those issues about China, how it's where, where it's made, and people want a more, more greener process. So, you know, the, everything that we've worked, nothing has been lost. Uh, it plays very, very well into it. We've been, we've been lucky. We're, we've, been, we've been working at this since 2015. So we have a leg up on everybody. Well, and that's my final question. I'm kind of glad you said that. One more excerpt is, HPQ Nano is very well positioned to become the nano silicon provider of choice for the industry. So between that excerpt, your comment prior to that, and Peter Pascali's quote, uh, what's your level of confidence in, in, HP, in, in HPQ's positioning? How, how high is it? is it? Is it higher than ever? Is it, have, have you been more confident before, less confident now, or is it fair to say that your level of con confidence is as high as it's ever been? It keeps growing every day. Like I, I, I never had any doubt that we would get there. there. There's always some, you know, I know many people had doubts, but I don't. Um, we, we're executing on our plan and moving forward with it. Uh, it's, it's, working, it's working well. Um, what may have looked like a, and I'm just going to give you an example. At the beginning, we weren't sure if we we're going to convert the QRR, keep the QRR to go to nano reactors and everything, and everything else. And we decided at one point we took a strategic decision: we're going to keep the QRR process, get it moving, become an interesting business on its own. And now we suddenly realize, well, thank God we did this because that's that's really going to be the key. So that 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 is really going to be the key. That's really the, the incredible advantage that, that that we have. And when we started this process. I wouldn't have been as confident as, as I am now. It's as simple as that. The advantage of, I have an R&D team that know that have people with experience in silicone that's, you know, goes a few hundred years of combined experience. Um, so uh, it, good luck, anybody trying to do what we're doing. Well, hey, that's good news to everybody at home watching or listening uh, on their podcast. And congratulations, Bernard, on this, Nice milestone here and the massive implication it has. You know, if anyone just reads on it on its own, it sounds great, obviously, uh, but the implications aren't 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 immediately evident for you guys to come, for you to come out and really talk about that, I think is a big deal. And uh, I know I'm excited about it and I can't wait to see what the feedback's gonna be from shareholders uh, online after they see this. But uh, last word to you, Bernard. Uh, are we gonna see a, are, 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 is it going to be another hiatus again where we don't see you for a while or do you, because uh, you're still in that final R&D? I can't really comment on that. <laughs> well, I tried. I, <laughs> but this hiatus was great. I mean, if this is the, if this is the result of the hiatus and uh, this kind of, this kind, these kind of milestones, then uh, feel free to keep on doing it. Thanks, Bernard. You're welcome. Thanks.
Tell everybody at home you've been watching or you've been listening by podcast on Spotify, Google, Apple, or your favorite podcast platform. To Bernard Tudion, Chairman and CEO of HPQ, HPQ Silicon Resources, trades on the venture under HPQ and on the OTCQX under HPQFF. Uh, for you who are loyal shareholders and who have been around for quite a while, even since the beginning, no doubt today was great. For those of you who are new to the story and you want to learn more because you understand that silicon is going to have a massive impact on, on, on the electric vehicle and battery space, then start your due diligence by going to Agoracom to the HPQ hub. Take a look at the profile page there. We, we know this is complicated, so we've got more of a 30,000 foot view to get you really acquainted with what the company is doing. And then make sure you shoot off to, you can see the URL right on right above Bernard there, hpqsilicon.com and do your deeper dive, okay? We can't tell you what to do, but we can tell you to go do your due diligence. 12 months from now, don't say we didn't tell you so. Have a great day. Have a great weekend. See you next time. Bye-bye.